Hello, and welcome back to the Us Now podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Helmendaller. If you're new, Us Now is a podcast during which I sit down to talk to students and faculty from LCHS about different social issues. Once again, Us Now's Instagram is at Us Now Podcast. I give updates and reminders for new episodes. Also, if you would like to help this project by giving suggestions for new episodes or constructive feedback for me, there is a Google form linked in the description. Thank you again in advance. So today we're talking about generational gap. Once again, we have four guests. Hi, my name is Wendy Siebert. I'm currently the uh, library assistant at LCHS. I was a high school librarian in Pittsburgh for over 30 years and um, just have been here a couple. Hi, my name is Ethan Phelps and I'm in ninth grade. Hi, my name is Raleigh Christian. I'm the college advisor here with the Virginia College Advising Corps. Um, I've been at LCHS for four months. And I'm Taylor Talley, and I am a 12th grade senior here at LCHS. Great. So I think generational gap, it's kind of a confusing concept because not everyone knows exactly what it means. But I kind of take it as like a difference in culture and a difference in our attitudes towards each other across generations. So um, Bruce Firestein of Vanity Fair created like um, a satiric chart to sort of list various differences between the generations. And I would like to touch upon which are the biggest generations or what are their names. So I think first you could consider Gen Z, which um, according to the sheet, it's after 2000, being born after 2000. I think some people will categorize it to be even earlier than that because don't you, Mrs. Christian, aren't you sort of almost considered Gen Z? Uh, don't disrespect me like no, that. No, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm on the cusp of that. Mm -hmm. So then um, after Gen Z would be millennial, which according to the sheet, born 1980 to 2000. So those people now would be around in their 20s to 30s. Um, so would you say that is yes. more your identification? <laughs> Even though I'm eternally 16, I am 21 right now. So <laughs> okay. I am a millennial. <laughs> and then, um, so Gen X, I'm not sure if, Ms. Siebert, you would be um, Gen X or Baby Boomer. Um, so Gen X would be born between 1965 and 1979, and Baby Boomers would be born 1946 to 1964. So I'd be on the late end of the baby, baby boomers. Baby boomers. All right. So we've got, like, I guess three out of the four here today. So um, the sheet kind of goes through different differences between the four. And so let's start with um, the trusted news source. So this one's kind of diving right in. So um, you, Siebert, growing up, I guess, um, still I, in the 1900s, so there are less electronics. So what was it sort of like, the differences between you growing up and then between now, teens growing up now with all of the electronics? Well, certainly being in a school, I saw the transition as it went um, accordingly to from, you know, I'll, be, I'll sound really old if I start naming things, but, you know, I... I saw, and, and what I think is striking to me is the, is how quick everything changed, you know, from one device being big to just getting smaller and smaller mm -hmm. and quicker and quicker, and, um, you know, 
I think that's probably what was most shocking to me. But I, I like to think of myself as being very open to wanting to learn. I, I love to learn. And so I, I met a lot of people along the way that resisted that change and weren't, don't want to look at computers and didn't want to do that, especially educators who I thought maybe should have been more willing. Um, but I, I do believe that I was fairly um, interested in learning as much as I could in that change of technology up to a certain point. Probably in this conversation you'll hear my adversity <laughs> to it. Yeah, so, and then I think the rest of the four of us are kind of more similar in age because you said you're only 21, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so, I'm 17, and you're 18, 18 and you're... 14. 14, okay, yeah, so that's not a large gap there, but I think even then we can still see sort of a difference between mm -hmm. growing up with technology for us and growing up with technology for people, for children now. So do you think you could speak upon, like, the differences for us and what we experienced versus... Them. I'll go ahead and start. So we do live in a very rural um, county, and on the peripheries of our county, you see a lot of pockets of poverty and disinvestment. So when I was young and bright, um, we didn't have internet, and we still don't have internet. So even though there is a lot of access, it's not equally distributed. So there are plenty of, of students here at LCHS that just, they have the Chromebook, they have the capabilities to use the technology, they just don't have the access at home. So even with these generational divides, we have to keep in mind um, the differences across like race and gender and class and these intersections thereof. So mm -hmm. even though we're only three, four years apart, like I had a very different experience growing up than you guys did. Right. Like I'd say, when I was young, I did have electronics, but they were electronics of that time. Like I had the leap frog. Mm -hmm. Was that what it was called, the leapfrog? Mm -hmm. Did you have that? or? I didn't use the leapfrog, but we had, like, me and Ethan have a class together, so we had a dis similar discussion like this a few weeks ago when we were talking about, in Mr. Janovic's class, about how we, you guys know Google Docs and Google very, very well, mm -hmm. but back when we were in middle school, we used Microsoft, and, that's like, right. how that's, like, evolved. Like, they don't even yeah, know. my had, flash drive. Yeah, we never used Microsoft. We always used Google Docs and Google Classroom really? since, like, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, when we were in elementary school, we had desktops in every mm -hmm. classroom. Like, we didn't even have computer cards. Yeah, and now one. they have iPads. Do they really? Yeah, they have oh, iPads really? in a lot of, like, that's the smart elementary <laughs> schools. And, like, they don't know what floppy disks are either. Like, floppy disks are, like, mm -hmm. that didn't exist because Google had it, like, all there. Mm -hmm. So... And then versus you growing up, did you have any kinds of... Uh, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I mean, I had a brother who was very scientific, and he was about six years older than myself, and uh, he was very ahead of the game in math and science, so he did some neat stuff. Like, everyone thought he was really cool carrying around a slide roll when none of us knew what they did, but, you know, so I guess that would have been a form of technology for math in those days, but, um, yeah, I can't speak on too much technology growing up, um, but having a child and having her grow up, I know I experienced a lot of um, change with that, and, and and just being introduced to what was coming um, and trying to guard her from different things I wasn't as interested in as she was. Mm -hmm. um, like speaking to people on the computer, I'd always stand behind her and say, if you're not going to say that to their face, I don't want you to say it on the computer. Yeah, so definitely there's that difference in technology, and I think that can also tie in with differences in like 
major life events. So we kind of have all experienced life differently, and some of the things that you, Ms. Siebert, experienced are different than us because the different uh, life events have just shaped how we see things and I think shaped how we were raised. So um, what kinds of life events do you think were major in your life? Well, uh, one thing just jumped out at me when you said that. Um, I know when I was growing up and, and you know, in high school and stuff, I, um, you know, Vietnam, all the bombardment of the news, you know, and um, I find it interesting now because, um, like even my daughter, who's like early 30s, she she doesn't want to watch the news. She doesn't, you know, it's, it's you know, and I, I understand her opinion because it's so depressing and so, so crazy all the time. But, um, you know, that's really changed the, the way we get news and, and you know, how you, what you what you see on it. And and truthfully, like a lot of what goes on in today's world is so sad for me to see that, you know, the vulgarity or whatever word you want to use, the, the lowering down of the quality of what people say and do out there on, on the news that, you know, was much more, much more limited in the past when I was growing up. So you agree, like for you personally, that um, technology has kind of made us more vulgar or has kind of taken down the walls that maybe should be there between how we communicate? I have to say probably a little bit of that's true. Like it's just um, shocking to me the, um, the looseness of our society in terms of how it was portrayed on the news. Like it, it's just totally different environment. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it, I don't want it to focus on that word vulgar, but just the, just there's no limits, you know, mm -hmm. there's no like safeguards. There's no, um, you know, I always look at little kids watching, you know, like when I was watching the news, like very rarely, I, I you know, swearing and, you know, drugs and alcohol, you know, like things that are just so, um, so openly mm -hmm. discussed and everything now, I think. So in a way, I, I feel badly for, for everyone just having that thrown in their face constantly. Mm -hmm. I do, I do. Right. Yeah, so I'll turn it over to us who um, have kind of more grown up with that lack of censorship. Um, do you think that's kind of a negative or a positive thing? Like, do you agree with Mrs. Siebert? Because I guess, um, Ms. Christian, since you're out of high school and then the three of us were still in high school, I don't even know if there's a gap between us with that. Um, to some extent, yes. Um, I don't remember media being this pervasive. It might be because I was a hick and didn't have internet. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have cable for a, a great deal of my life. But um, I remember things being a lot more succinct. Um, we didn't really expound upon the news as much. It just happened, and we said our piece about it, and that was it. And, you know, that has its benefits, and that has its very drastic impacts as well because that's like almost like a 24-hour um, news cycle with no sort of um, intention in a sense. I don't really know how to articulate that correctly, but um, I, don't, I definitely don't remember it being this wild at all. <laughs> Maybe I didn't um, pay attention as well as I should have when I was younger, but um, I definitely don't pay attention now, so... <laughs> How old were y'all when the earthquake hit? Fourth grade. Yeah, we were in fourth grade. Oh. I was in second grade. Yeah. Second grade. Oh, yeah. a true. Or first grade. First grade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was an earthquake baby. 
Yeah. It was like we go like I would say like oh yeah we're from where the earthquake happened and people are like what mm-hmm. an earthquake happened even though it like went up and down the east coast I wouldn't say that like a lot of people know about it which is like really interesting to me because like that was like a whole like year of my life and for the high schoolers it was four years of their life where they were still living in like the remnants of the earthquake happening because they were in pods. I, well that was different for me too because I didn't experience any of that. I went to mm-hmm. Moss Knuckles mm-hmm. so there were were no yeah really changes yeah I did too yeah yeah I went to Jewett so like we were without a gym for a while so like that was like a big thing and I remember like when the aftershocks would happen we were in like the little part of the gym that we could use and like you could hear everything just because they were restructuring the gym at that point so it's like that was like a big thing but I know like a lot of people like you talk about the recession but a lot of like older people I would say more of like the millennial era talk about 9-11 and how we as Gen Z don't understand the concept of 9-11 and, like, because we weren't alive during it. Like, a lot of teachers, they always are like, oh, you guys were the first group I've taught or, like, the second group I've taught that weren't alive when 9-11 was a thing because we weren't old enough to understand it or we were just being born during the time that 9-11 was happening, so. And that really was a defining moment of, like, pretty much all the generations Mm -hmm. before Gen Z, would you say? Absolutely. Um, One thing about Gen Z that I find is very interesting is that with the rise of native advertising and different influencers, y'all are like 88% likely to guess an ad without even reading the entire (laughs) thing. And that's lovely. Like, any any tips? (laughs) Yeah. Usually it's like a jingle or like you can like see like the picture. Like they have a lot of those like logo games and stuff too. Do they have like more distrust over what is and is not an ad? Mm -hmm. Like we'll look at anything and kind of be like, oh, they're probably just doing that as product placement. Mm -hmm. No, I feel like we do that a lot, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you sort of do that? Yeah. As <laughs> I don't know exactly what you... I'm not sure I got the drift of that conversation. <laughs> like the beginning of it, I lost what you said at the beginning. All right, so usually with native advertising, we're talking like print media or digital print media, like we <laughs> surpass paper now. Um, but usually like on Times, they'll or, or like Time will be like this... Um, article is about like heart disease and I'll mention like a specific like fish oil supplement it'll say at the top like this has been sponsored by like DHA or something like that um, and usually you can't tell unless you look really hard to see if it's actually like a native advertisement like in the sense that it is built into the story um, and then influencer advertising is like where you see something on Instagram usually it's like fit tummy tea or like sugar bear <laughs> hair vitamins and yeah. they they put like a hashtag ad at like the very bottom of it or they just simply don't disclose whether yeah. they've been paid to promote a product and Gen Z is very good at pulling that out. <laughs> but, well I can't address it at mm-hmm. all myself but I can say that I think that that just is a you know hooray for you that you're smart enough to <laughs> make that quick investigation of mm-hmm. them. Well, I'd say, like, I'll ask Ethan, like, do you think that Gen Z um, has more distrust in the information that's given to us? Um, probably, because, like, we've seen so many ads, and, like, a lot of, like, our media, like, like there's ads, like, everywhere that, like, will be, like, if there's, like, a, like, we'll think that any information might have something, like, an ad behind it, or someone's trying to sell something, or someone's trying to get you to buy something and try to make money and not actual actually try to get you to like do like help you or give you information it's just for the product 
good little critical thinkers. <laughs> I really like. Yeah. I feel like that really ties back to like just influence in general because we're like when we were younger or like growing up like peer pressure was like a big thing like don't be influenced by drugs and alcohol so like I feel like we like really like pinpoint little things that like make it seem like they're literally just trying to target us especially like Gen Z as a whole yeah like I'd say like in middle school I didn't really pay attention to the news much at all but like you get so much of it from your phone at this point like Ethan did you have a phone like in early elementary school no, um, in middle school I did have a phone, but I never really like tried to get into like watching the news. I never, I never, I don't have social media like mm-hmm. um, Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that. So I never really was exposed to that as much oh, as a lot true, of other people true. were. Because I got a phone in seventh grade. When yeah. did you? I got mine in fifth grade, but it was like one of those little like slide oh, okay. phones. Just so you could have that in sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. But like the big thing that like I feel like I've seen or like talking from that because um, I'm very close to my grandmother and my grandmother like I love watching the news especially since I do debate. Mm-hmm. So like watching the news is how I would see myself as getting informed because they're you know talking to me basically right. filling my void. But the big thing is, like, social media is like, overtaken news, like, broadcasting. Like, most of the stuff that is coming out on TV is coming out on social media, like Ms. Christian said. So, um, just like I know, whenever I watch the news, I usually get targeted, like, oh, that's what old people do. Like, they watch the news. Like, no one, I feel like, around me in my generation likes to genuinely watch the news. They wouldn't, like, sit down at 5 o'clock every day and say, hey, I'm going to watch the news. And I guess that is a difference for me, too, because I grew up like my parents still turn on the news every Mm -hmm. single day but also I'm wondering if there's a difference there because my parents are baby boomers like they're Mm -hmm. part of that older generation and I think most people our age their parents would be more considered like gen x Mm -hmm. so there's a difference there as well so I wonder if I was raised with somewhat more quote-unquote baby boomer values or just a way of being raised so that that kind of Mm -hmm. translates to my personal um ways of living as well um let's see so there's also i guess that goes in with trusted news source so this paper says that our trusted news source for gen z is youtube um i don't know how true do we think that is i mean i feel like in the education perspective you would say that like we learn a lot with using youtube like a lot of teachers refer to youtube to like just to teach us something but i wouldn't say i would go straight to youtube to find like what I need to know about today's world like what happened today I'd go straight probably to a news website mm-hmm. or look on my social media like Facebook or Twitter it is nice that a lot of news sources now like the different ones from um, different biases or just a lot of different sources do have YouTube channels mm-hmm. that people can watch news stories on there and pick and choose um, do you do that at all? Like, go on YouTube and look at the news stories all zero? No, I can't say that I do. <laughs> not, not at all, probably, ever. Really? No. <laughs> okay, so now we can talk about preferred mode of communication. So um, I think now the younger generation is definitely all in that social media. Um, do we, I don't know, I still have a landline, except I don't really use it at all anymore. Do you not? No. I, <laughs> no. I remember, like, back when I was, like, in elementary school, my grandma was the last one in our family to have a landline, and she completely got rid of it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that have basically taken the idea of a landline and just made it a cell phone and called it their home phone. Mm-hmm. So, like, a landline, I feel like, has completely faded out for a lot of, you know, the generation that's left. Mm-hmm. Do you? Um, 
Well, we got rid of our landline in our house when I was like 15 or so. Um, but I, most of all of my family still have a landline just mm-hmm. because that's part of their culture and they really like getting spam calls from people <laughs> they don't know. So, um, we still have our landline. We just use it to get like messages from like our family and like if school's canceled from mm-hmm. snow, that's it. Very that's, good. and there's nothing else. Like we might be getting rid of it soon cause mm-hmm. we're getting like a new like internet and it's through our internet now. Um. So. I still have a landline, but um, I really have more focused on cell phone. Really? Mm-hmm. But not not to do what you all do on them, just to, <laughs> just you know, to make it. Yeah. So would calls. You, I do like to text, though, which I mm-hmm. never thought I would. It took me a long time to get there, <laughs> but I do like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my grandmother, um, she's 94 now. Um, but so she has sort of one of those little flip phones where you have to like click through the buttons to even get one letter. And I was kind of trying to teach her how to send a text, but I was also kind of like, I barely know how this works myself. So she doesn't really use that. Um, but would you say that cell phone is still your primary mode of communication with others? Yes, I suppose uh, texting and speaking to them in person. Because I think the baby boomer generation is still young enough that they can still embrace that newer technology. Um, so do you have any social networking sites that you use? No. Um, the, only, the only thing I have done is um, I do Instagram so that I can see pictures of everyone that... Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the little kids in my life, their pictures, and watch them grow up through pictures. But I don't, I did have a um, Facebook for a little while to um, to see pictures of a do- my daughter on a trip one time. She made me get that. But I think once I, truthfully, I think I did something, and she... Uh, unfriended me or something. I made a wisecrack about something she said or did, and I was unfriended by her, so I've lost interest in that, too. I mean, I I didn't really, you know, it was no big deal, but, yeah, I don't don't do any of that. Mm -hmm. And is that a difference that you observe from um, when you were younger, that, like, the way you interact now with your cell phone and interact with other people, it's easier to kind of disengage with people than it was when you were younger? Um, I really don't know. Um, I feel like I, I think, it sounds silly, but I think the people I want to talk to, I talk to, and I would, even in that short period of time with Facebook, you know, I always say people that you hadn't talked to for like 30 years Mm -hmm. would be wanting to talk to you, and and I know that in some ways that's nice and everything, but on the other hand, it just seemed odd to me that, you know, you, you really want to have relationships with people that mm-hmm. you make a point to talk to, not these random people that just, like, talk to you every once in a while. I, I have no interest in that, mm-hmm. or very little interest <laughs> in that, I guess. Yeah, so I would like to address some of the um, most frequent stereotypes of some of the generations. So I know since um, Gen Z... We're all on our phones. We all spread around memes and <laughs> all of that. So, what are some kind of some of the main stereotypes of Generation Z? I feel like a big one is that we're very like lazy. Um, our my parents or 
anyone that I've known that's an older adult that's close to me has always said that I was always in my phone, that I don't do anything else, that that's what consumes my life, um, that I could be having a conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, a big thing is, like, using your phone at the dinner table. Like, you don't do that because you're supposed to have a conversation with people across from you instead of being engulfed in something else that's happening, not even in front of you. So I feel like I get called lazy a lot because I could be doing other things instead of being on, like, social media or my phone. Well, since I work with the youth, um, I, I think that one of the defining characteristics of y'all's generation is that you're so anxious. Like, I see um, a lot of perfectly fine young people with bright futures think that they're going to end up homeless or that they just they have no base of security and like they are very insecure and very worried about what's going to happen. And I think that this is being solved in one of two ways. It's being solved in a almost like an Instagram self-care, very consumptive, empty kind of consumer dopamine-driven um, instant gratification, which is not necessarily the most healthy. And then I see a, a growing movement of actually receiving proper mental health care and actually teaching young people how to cope with what's happening around them because you guys are exposed to a lot of vulgarity. I'm, I'm going to use that word pretty confidently because it is vulgar and it is very violent content at such a young age and it is very distressing and it, it, it's very sad to see young people with such bright futures come in so anxious and so depressed. I think Gen Z is definitely known for like being on their phones like a lot mm -hmm. and I've noticed like like as I'm getting older I'm noticing younger and younger kids having those electronics that I haven't been able to like I didn't have because mm -hmm. like it wasn't available as much. So the more it's been like publicized and like available to people, like the younger people are getting that as well, and it, like it's not a good thing. Yeah, I think another stereotype, Miss Christian, you said um, how we're being exposed to a lot of vulgarities. So I think another stereotype of Gen Z is that we're very—I don't know what the right word would be—but we kind of don't care. Also, I don't know what the right word. Desensitized. Would be. Desensitized. Yes. So we're kind of just like, all right, this is what's happening. This is our mm -hmm. future let's live it up and just kind of <laughs> really YOLO type vibe. Yeah, the YOLO type vibe. <laughs> the YOLO type vibe, Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's another coping mechanism. Like, mm -hmm. is it the healthiest? No, but I don't think it's the most harmful. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's going to change once Gen Z gets a little bit older. Y'all are kind of pioneering that generation. So I, I think that most of it is going to be um, it's something that's going to be solved by some growing pains and, you know, <laughs> actually reaching... 21, 22, 25, 30, um, kind of getting that life experience. And, you know, I think the kids are all right, honestly. <laughs> Y'all are sweet and really dedicated to service to others and make everyone feel included. That's one thing I also noticed about this generation. I agree. I, I know even here in uh, this short time I've been here, I, I'm very impressed with the students. I think they're and I'm sure all of it is involved with all of these programs that the safety program, like I think that's just wonderful how Mr. Downey says it's good things to you every day on your way out of here because these roads scare me to death. And, um, you know, I think the impact is there and, and kids are sensitive to other people's feelings and I do see a, a, a lot of good. I just think I've, I probably wish I had a nickel for every time I said that I wished phones, cell phones were never invented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so Ms. Christian, um, do you think there are some major differences between Gen Z and Millennial? Because I know sometimes people overlap that generation or even just like mm -hmm. the solid generation of what constitutes Gen Z or Millennial sometimes overlaps. Could you repeat that for a moment? So, okay. <laughs> so like, um, are there any major differences between mm -hmm. Gen Z and Millennial? Um, I think, in my opinion, I I've sat through several of these generational talks through um, my training, um, and basically, I think the big defining um, rift between Millennials and Gen Z is the recession. Um, if you came of age in the recession, I think that's the cutoff for when you're a millennial because it truly does define the, the millennial experience. Um, I think that Gen Z also kind of, if we're talking about G millennials, it was like the everybody gets a trophy kind of um, generation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's how it's usually defined and like helicopter parenting and stuff. Um, Gen Z is a little bit different. Y'all have a little bit more of a real experience, right. almost to your detriment. Um, <laughs> And it's like, here's the thing about generations, that they bleed and they ebb and flow into each other, so there's a little bit of elements in each of it. Um, you can also read different articles that say, you know, helicopter parenting has slowly turned into snowplow parenting, and then you can see, oh, our kids are being left out into the wild. And, you know, it, it really is up to your spin on analysis on, on what you think is true. Um, but I, I think that the Great Recession is probably the biggest rift between your generation and mine. Interesting. Because I always see on social media that um, millennials who, again, are 20s, 30s now, they're sort of mm -hmm. coming of age into adulthood, and I see a lot of them complaining or talking about other people complaining about how they're growing up <laughs> and, like, they're, they have no idea what to do because they weren't really taught how to be an adult, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that's still a problem now? I would say that's something that has to do with class because I see that in a lot of my upper class peers where they have gone to like these very high finishing schools like you know TJ and Nova probably one of the most prestigious public schools in the nation um, and they just have no concept for how anything works but you know if you talk to people in Louisa or you talk to people on like the border near like Ferncliff where um, you know, household income is pretty low um, where I grew up. You know, I was doing these things at 14, 15, 16. So, like, I don't really have a concept for complaining about not knowing how to adult because I've been doing it for a while. So, um, it, honestly, at this point, you should just be able to Google it. <laughs> like, there are plenty of resources out there. You just have to use them. Would you say you've seen a lot of millennials sort of complaining about that? Um, I'm not personally, I haven't been like really involved with the, like, hearing about people being com like complaining and stuff, mm -hmm. so I'm not really sure. Yeah, and I don't even know if I should use the word complaining because complaining <laughs> kind of has the connotation that it, it's not granted or it's not warranted that they should even be able to complain about that mm -hmm. sort of things. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Because I guess millennials and Gen Z, I've seen things that say that Gen Z is different in that they do kind of have more hope, that mm -hmm. millennials are more, um, they're kind of, they feel stuck in the situation that they're in right now. And I've seen things that say that Gen Z is more, they have more hope for the future and they have more hope that they can change things. Would you say that's kind of true? I mean, I would definitely, like, say so because my parents are, like, the borderline between the baby boomers and the millennials, and I feel like 
um, just from that experience that my parents are very like stuck in their ways and they like don't like adapt to change very well and I feel like our generation is like or generation z is just so about like oh we can do the next thing we can do the next thing like um change is only going to happen through us so we're very hopeful of like changing the world or changing the future of what it's to become I think maybe I don't know in my in my life I think one of the biggest changes that all of us make regardless of our generation is when you start reproducing and wanting to just <laughs> decide what you're going to have your babies do and and then then all of your added, all of your ideas might become a little bit different than you thought because you know you're you want that little baby to grow up to be able to take care of him or herself and you know I think that's that that's a real growth in any generation where you want to care for the young guide them yeah so can you name any sort of stereotypes of like the gen x baby boomer generation that like stereotypes that you think others perceive that generation is having well you know i i I mean i I think if i'm getting what you ask um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I stereotype you myself because I just think that the, I worry how much people are on their phones, you know, I really do. I, I, I just think there's more to life than just, like I'd say, give me, you know, give me those days where we didn't have to be in contact every two seconds, you know, like you had to think on your own, you had to make some good decisions, mm-hmm. you had to, you know, you didn't need 500 people to talk about this thing, decision you need to you know, I don't know, it just is a little, I mean, it has good and bad. I see good and bad in all of it, but I just think that um, I worry about the future of children watching their parents worry about what's on their phone more than worrying about their babies. That's probably a stereotype I would because I since with um, we have social media so we can also see how we have an attitude a certain attitude towards baby boomers so what's that kind of difference there like how do we perceive baby boomers <laughs> I usually um, perceive them more or less like I was talking about not adaptive to change but like the big thing was like perfect example yesterday I was like at my grandma's because she had gotten a new phone and the big thing that frustrates me is like she thinks she knows everything about it but at the same time she's like asking me for help so like throughout the whole thing like because I'm a gen z she thinks that I know everything about technology she thinks that I can always solve the problem when it comes to technology but really I don't know anything other than the things that have been taught to me and the things I've taught myself about technology Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's a big thing that I always see coming from like the baby boomers towards the gen z population um So, it's just like um, what baby boomers think of us or what we think of baby boomers. What we think of baby boomers. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, um, I don't know. I see baby boomers as having some misplaced, I don't want to say moral superiority, but they're, um, I mean, it, it, most of the morals are true. That's the thing. We shouldn't be on our phones that often. It demeans the value of human interaction when we don't do it face-to-face. Um, and it's important that we stick to some kind of, not censorship, but just some decorum um, 
people are wild out there and it's just completely unacceptable. Um, but usually when I think of like, I, I think this is kind of referencing like the memes and stuff and um, how boomers seem a little bit rigid and set in their ways and don't really have context. Um, and I don't think that's true necessarily because boomers came of age around like the Vietnam War and a, a time where mass, I guess mass representation and mass protest was done through a personal medium. And I think that's what led to those um, protests and those movements being a little bit more sentient. Because now, like, you can just hashtag something and it means absolutely nothing. Um, you look like a wonderful person that cares for two seconds. Um, but you have just basically put a, a, almost like a brand on a Facebook post to, you know, I know that Facebook now does, like, fundraisers and stuff. Um, which is wild, but I don't know if I'm making too much sense here, but there's a big, um, I can see why baby boomers are kind of frustrated with the millennials because there's a lot of, or, or Gen Z, because there's a lot of slacktivism and there's a lot of um, disconnect in that sense. Like you're trying to enact change without actually talking to people, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of, it works and it doesn't. <laughs> but what was that first thing you said that um, the, on the other side that, they're stuck in their ways, or what did you, what, what, what was her? I think that, um, I, I don't think that I think that baby boomers are stuck in their ways. I think what that's a pretty. You, say that? you said something at first. About the memes? The memes? Are we talking, are we talking about when, when, I had like, to ask what a meme was on for meme day. I you told how to be a meme. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. So, it's okay. No, it's okay. Yeah. So I think um, one of the biggest things recently that has highlighted the differences or the conflict between baby boomers and Gen Z millennials is the phrase, okay, boomer. Um, I've seen that a lot recently, and it's become a really popular phrase, and it's kind of based in the idea that um, a lot of people of the Gen Z generation think that baby boomers don't really listen to their problems or they kind of cast away the problems of that generation as invalid. So the quote, okay, boomer, is sort of to say, like, okay, whatever. Like, we know that you're not listening to us, so we're just, your opinion wouldn't matter in this scenario anyway. Um, have you seen that often? You haven't seen okay, boomer? Have mm -hmm. you? I didn't know what it was until like my <laughs> friends were saying I'm like what does that mean? And it's become like, really popular recently. I'm like okay. Because you just because you're so old you can't relate. Like okay um, boomers sort, sort of, of. But of. I think they um, the stereotype is that baby boomers just are so far removed from the problems of our generation now mm -hmm. that they just can't understand those problems mm -hmm. or that they are not willing to listen to those problems, which is a whole thing in of itself that baby boomers don't want to. So I think that's also a disconnect there between um, like the younger generation and the older generation of understanding each other and being willing to listen to each other's problems. I guess it's sort of hard for me to, um, I mean, I don't want to criticize the whole concept here or anything, but I think, I think part of, part of maybe working with students and kids my whole life has made me think less of the generational stuff and the comparison. You know, I almost want to say it's sort of like a trendy bandwagon to create those divisions instead of like 
working together to eliminate them, you know, like, you, you know, when you have grandparents and you love your grandparents, so you're working with that generation and then you have your own generation and you're, you know, I, I you know what I'm trying to say? But I think that, you know, maybe, maybe part of our problem is putting us in these stereotypes and not making us understand that in a family you're dealing with multiple generations and so, you know, I feel like I have less of an issue with those generational, you know, I have a, you know, your your life is all generational, but you have to all, you love each other, and so you all work together, and I don't, I don't see those, you know, um, what's the word you're using, the cultural... Uh, generational gap. Gaps, yeah, like, I mean, obviously there are gaps in age, but I don't know that they're necessarily detrimental to anyone's being judged as a great generation. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, um, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, because when I heard OK Boomer, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, I'm going to roast anyone that uses this meme, um, because it only serves to further divide the two generations when they, you really don't have to. Um, you, you just don't have to create this artificial conflict. Um, it would be, I understand where the frustration comes from, especially from young people um, who kind of get this sense of urgency about what's happening in the world, um, which is good. It means that y'all have yeah. spirit. I like it. And also, I think as educators, we, we have a certain predisposition to um, equalize things. Um, I don't think that any educator comes into education to purposely um, mislead students or purposely divide them. Um, and I, I think that that has a lot of influence on this podcast itself, is that we are committing ourselves to learning and teaching to the best of our ability in the time frame that we're at. We're trying to meet students where they're at and in a time-appropriate manner. Like, I'm not going to pull out, hey, um, I don't know what it's called, but, like, when I was in elementary school, we had, like, a crank TV, and I had film, and like, it was pretty cool. But I'm not going to pull out that to a... Um, to a Gen Z because it would be embarrassing. <laughs> but anyways. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest ways we, I don't know, the, a big example of um, kind of conflicting over the generations that I think um, money and like especially college because I know that um, a lot of baby boomers or parents now will be like, oh my goodness, college is so expensive. Like why can't you do just do X, Y, and Z? Whereas our generation is kind of like, well, this is how it is. Yeah. What do we do? No, it's just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, have you kind of seen that difference too? Like, do your parents... Yeah, like, it, like they've said that it's gotten a lot more expensive than it was when they were in college. Like, my parents have said, like, um, when they were in college, it was like, even with, like, the... Like, money has like like things have gotten more expensive over the years but even that with that like college was a lot less expensive than it is now because like it's really expensive right now and what do you mean that you just accept it like you don't fight it like we we're, we're maybe like we're we're sort of in my generation is mo sort of like more bitter that it's so difficult for young people to be able to afford and their parents the middle generation how they can afford you know so I, I, I hear what you're saying um, and I admire you for being so 
hopeful and so okay with how what a challenge that is mm -hmm. because it is from the majority of people and I think that's a difference between you and other people of your generation because I think some um, of the younger generation now would say that people of your generation they don't recognize that it is harder like they just say that oh it's mm -hmm. totally under your control to fix these things or like it you should be able to fix this problem by yourself because that's how they were raised even though it's different now yeah like I can even say that I feel like in an education perspective too like um, my family even like my grandmother being part of the baby boomer generation she will literally just be like I don't know why you're always consumed right. with homework right. like they don't understand the concept like hey you're in a college class homework is two to three hours a night sometimes like it shouldn't be but it can be so like I feel like even like in the college perspective too like they don't understand that like we're most of the time okay with the fact that we have to take out financial aid and like financial loans mm -hmm. just because like the next step is college or it's a trade school or it's going into the workforce we don't feel like there's any other route mm -hmm. like did you have a lot of college loans after you um no I really didn't I was the youngest of four and um uh, family issues, family problems, whatever you want to call it, came down in my years in college. So, you know, my brother went to CMU and mm -hmm. cost a fortune and went for years and years. And, you know, so it was awesome for him. But through a lot of things that happened in life, um, you know, no, I didn't have a lot, but I ended up having to pay for some where no, none of my siblings did, you know, just because stuff happened, you know. But um, but I worried myself sick over getting my daughter into college because right. of how expensive it was because mm -hmm. I did, I was silly enough to not worry about money through my <laughs> youth and not care. And that's another thing. Maybe that's an issue that... You know, I don't know if I was just sort of oblivious in the 70s or, you know, whatever, <laughs> but, like, I didn't worry about my future like I should have. You know, I think, and I, I, I think that I respect young people, like you guys are saying, for being, you know, determined and whatever it takes and you're going to do it, and, and that's really awesome. But I think, and again, all life circumstances make help make those decisions. You know, a lot of stuff went on in my life at that time that was detrimental. So, you know, but I think I admire the young people here um, in general for for being go getters. Mm -hmm. I, I respect that, and I wish you the best. You <laughs> do. Well, as someone who speaks exclusively with juniors and seniors preparing for college, and someone who is, you know, I, I read articles. I'm a professional woman. Um, so, um, actually, we're seeing something with Gen Z that they are more interested in two-year schools or trade schools, and they see a two-year school as a terminal degree at a higher rate than what previous generations have. Um, so we see kind of like a, a lack of trust overall, not just here, and you I mean everyone has a different experience in different pockets of the world and stuff, because you know, um, Virginia is one of the most educated states and will be the most educated state by 2024. So that means that your education here is probably going to be steered more towards a rigorous path, more towards a traditional four-year university, um, one of our lovely 80 colleges and universities. Um, but I, I 
I don't know, as a whole, it isn't really moving towards college. And from what I understand is that Gen Z is more apt to push for free tuition at public colleges and universities um, for everybody, which I personally don't think is a good idea. Um, I mean, it'd be nice, but I just don't think it's a good idea because of stakeholder impacts and the fact that we have a system right now that works perfectly fine. It's just not enforced or funded to the extent that it should be. Um, additionally, I think that the um, financial education system here is um, a little bit, we have a, a, a prerogative from the state to become the most educated state in the nation and number 45 globally um, by 2024, but yet we don't have the financial education to justify that or to enable that. Um, I have a lot of students who come into my office and they're like, I'm not taking out loans. I'm like, cool, you're not going to college. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. And I, I can't really sit there and lie to them. Like, you can, you know, you can get like $70,000 in scholarships for four years. Um, if you do, I'm happy for you. Please let me know. <laughs> I would love to hear that. But for the most students, it's just not going to happen. And you have to know what it's like to have loans. And there's so many ways to pay back your loans. Um, and I, I think that y'all are a little bit more cognizant about loans. Like you understand that maybe taking out $140,000 for an undergraduate degree isn't the best investment, which is good. Um, and there's so many options like community college. Like most students can go to community college for free, if not be paid to go to community college through different grant programs and scholarships. But um, as far as um, education in general, I, I see a, a trend more towards um, free public tuition. I don't really see y'all um, kind of accepting it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, since you're only in ninth grade, you're not worried about college at all yet, no. probably. <laughs> yeah, but um, yes. do you think that you see it sort of on the horizon as like, oh boy, I'm going to have to deal with this, and are you more like, all right, I have to deal with this, time to go do it, do the thing, or are you kind of more like, this sucks, I want to change it? I, would, I do want to go to college. I want to, like, I'm seeing on the horizon, and I want to, like, be able to get in and get an education and be able to get, get a job. And I don't know if that differs from when you were growing up. If the dip, um, Was your attitude more, all right, this is my future, time to go get that future, or was it more like, yeah, all would, right, this is not great? <laughs> I would say that it was just, like, understood that you went to college, you know, like at the time, you know, um, you know, you had to go to college type of thing, which I agree with you. I think that, you know, there's so many more options out there. And, um, you know, luck, I lucked out with a daughter who played sports and got great scholarships, and I, I lucked out as far as getting her through college. So I think that, you know, um, I think it's all very hard, but I do think that uh, at the time it was just pretty much like, yeah, that's what you do next. Mm -hmm. But it didn't cost it didn't cost a fortune either, so yeah, it was easier. Mm -hmm. So one of the last things I'd like to address is, do you think as teachers you have bias in talking about generational gap because you spend so much time with students? Honestly, I would. I'm so young that I'd probably do it anyway. Um, I really feel for the youth. Honestly, the the youth are um, they're doing all right. So I was talking to you a little bit before this, but. They do a nationwide survey of seniors about attainable dream jobs, like where do you want to be in 20 years? And for baby boomers, the top 10, there was only two government agencies up there. Um, for my generation, there was only five. But for your generation, what you're ranking in the first couple of years after graduating high school, you're ranking like eight to nine public service agencies. 
in your top dream attainable job. So like we see a lot of discourse going around like Gen Z is detached and they don't care. But the thing is, is that, that you guys do quantifiably care. Um, and I think that's very exciting for someone that is also working in public service right now um, and will probably for the rest of her life to see that, you know, the kids are all right, that they do want to help make things better and they are planning to pursue an education, planning to pursue, um, you know, quantifiable change. Um, and I don't know, I, I think that I, I'm not truly an educator. Um, I'm an advisor, <laughs> but in a sense I am. I, I do think that that is very in influential in how I view the younger generation. Um, just because I have contact with you, and honestly, there's not much of a difference between my age, your age, and even your age, to be honest. <laughs> I think as you get older, you begin to, like I, man I loved that was older than me, always used to say what I'm saying to myself now, that as you, you know, as you get older, you start thinking that we're, in your heart and in your inside you, you are still young at heart. And I firmly believe that working with youth is the way to stay young. I think that it's, you know, it's just so important to treat people the same whether they're young or old. That, mm -hmm. That's what I think educators do. And I think that's why they are successful in being able to relate to each other because you treat each other like you want to be treated. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I definitely think now the conflict between the older and younger generation could just be helped if we sort of just open our minds a little bit and say that like, oh yeah, okay, they have a different experience than us and let that knowledge that they have a different experience sort of inform our own opinions about it. Say like, okay, well that's why they think that. They don't think that because they're willingly being ignorant so um, I think it's important just for us as the younger generation and some people of the older generation to just kind of understand that there is a difference there and we should probably embrace that difference rather than use it to quantify our conflicts over that so um, do any of you have any last words about the generational gap <laughs> I mean um, y usually um when you do these kind of exercises, you'll go around and you'll talk about, like, the defining moment of your childhood. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what was the biggest event going on? I already mentioned that mine was the Great Recession. I'm just honestly, can, like, I, I'm honestly curious because y'all are earthquake babies. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for participating in this podcast. Um, I hope people can get something out of it um, with learning about the differences between the generations. Um, once again, if you want feedback, there is a link in the description. Thank you so much for watching and we will see you next time.